Welcome to the latest episode of The Jack's Current, a podcast developed by Jack's USA, Northeast Florida's economic development organization. I'm Tina Worth, and I thank you for listening in. In this podcast, we talk with local leaders about what makes our community so special and share notable job announcements and corporate support in the region. A recent region-wide survey conducted for Jack's USA strategic plan, Elevate Northeast Florida, cited that residents feel the number one area that needs improvement of transportation infrastructure and transit options. Driving around the Jack's region, you can't help but notice the amount of construction on our roadways to alleviate congestion, but there are more exciting things in store for our community's mobility. Our podcast today I'm very excited about. It brings two experts in transportation together, Nat Ford, CEO of the Jacksonville Transportation Authority, and Jeff Sheffield, Executive Director of the North Florida Transportation Planning Organization. They're here to talk with us about the future of transportation in the region and how the U.S. Department of Transportation's Smart City Challenge inspire what may be the nation's first smart region. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you. Really excited. So in this intro, I'm mentioning residents' thoughts on our transportation infrastructure. Are you surprised by the sentiment and what we can expect to see for our future transportation needs? Well, I'll start off uh, first. Uh, This is Nat Ford, and I I think I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised. If you really look across this country, the amount of investment that's going into transportation-related infrastructure is uh, at an all-time high. And uh, that's because I think the dots have finally been connected, which is uh, transportation clearly uh, drives economic development. Uh, It drives health care outcomes. It drives educational and community outcomes. And obviously, the connectivity to a job in terms of your own financial vitality. And so uh, our citizens uh, across the country uh, recognize this, and they're willing, and they've shown at the ballot uh, box, frankly, uh, that they're willing to support significant investment in uh, public transportation transportation uh, and infrastructure. Atlanta, Los Angeles have passed these you know, very significant funding uh, uh, models or funding uh, uh, packages uh, to support investments that will uh, carry out for the next few decades in terms of that investment. So that's, not surprised. That's terrific. Well, and that's mm. frankly why we're fortunate mm. to have you in our region, given mm. your experience in larger markets like Atlanta Metro and mm. San Francisco. So, so So JTA has recently opened the first phase of its regional transportation center in the La Villa neighborhood of downtown Jacksonville. Tell us a little bit about how that structure fits into the overall vision of the community, and will it improve connectivity for us? Well, definitely uh, improving connectivity. Uh, I think uh, successful cities have had uh, what we would like to call our Grand Central Station of the South. We will finally have that. Uh, The JRTC has been on the books for quite some time, uh, and I think uh, we finally were able to design what was, I think, an urban supportive type of design. Uh, We've been able to manage the costs and construction of this project and partnerships with the TPO and U.S. DOT as well as Florida DOT put it together, the funding uh, that allows us to move forward with this project. The Regional Transportation Center uh, is what I would say is three phases. First phase has been completed, which was the creation of the inner city bus terminal, the Greyhound Terminal, uh, for uh, our listeners. The Greyhound Terminal will also be able to house uh, Megabus and any other intercity service provider that develops into the future. Second phase will be connectivity uh, that will uh, 
pull in the JTA First Coast Flyer Bus Rapid Transit Network, our normal fis- fixed route bus service that you know people are very familiar with. But we're also looking at improving bike access, pedestrian access, Uber, Lyft, uh, bike share, car share. So the idea is it's going to truly be uh, a transportation hub. And phase three, which, you know, we've talked about uh, quite for the last few years, um, we need to reinvigorate that discussion is the relocation of Amtrak back to that uh, La Villa area in the prime Osborne area, uh, convention center area, so that uh, we truly have the pulling together of all of our transportation modes and thinking well in advance, think about commuter rail and think about, uh, you know, the bright line service that eventually will be heading to northern northeast Florida. Well, that's great. Um, the convergence of all of those particular um, modalities is going to be very As exciting. As well as the Skyway, and I left that one out. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, we'll touch on that as well. But, you know, it's, I was looking at the plans for Phase 2. There's some amenity called a kiss and ride. Yes, What's that? Well, and so uh, it's maybe new to us here in Jacksonville, but kiss and rides are pretty common. And that's where you drop off your spouse so that they're able to get on public transportation and finish their commute into work. And so, uh, you know, you provide that accessibility for, you know, an automobile user to, you know, drop off their spouse and give them a kiss and wave them goodbye. And off to work they go. And later on in the afternoon, you pick them up and take them home with you. Okay. All right. Well, I learned something new here. Mm -hmm. Jeff, um, so listen, we are encouraged by the concept of a smart region initiative, which will identify and implement new technology, creating a safer, more efficient and reliable transportation system. That sounds pretty good. What can you tell us about this initiative and how the technology will be good for business expansion and create a more livable community? Mm -hmm. Uh, Smart regions and a term is new. But what we've been doing is not uh, really for 15, 16 years in partnership with the DOT. There's been significant investment in technology. Uh, Many folks in the community mostly associate that with the dynamic message signs that are on the interstate system, Mm -hmm. cameras, and and things of that nature. Uh, We've also been making significant investments on what we call the arterial roadways. So that's the roads that the commuters are taking every day. So your Beach Boulevards, your San Jose's, your Blandings, roads like that. Uh, building technology infrastructure and signal controls for the intersections to allow us to manage all of that. So for us, Smart Cities, which was the federal initiative, and Smart Regions as a multi-county initiative here is really the next iteration for this community. Um, This is not a new opportunity. This is just a chance for us to now move into this next level of technology and investment. Uh, It's really looking at that infrastructure going even further projects like uh, NAT with the UTC with an automated system. It's looking at technology from pedestrian sensors that can detect pedestrians to smart lighting that JA is doing to utility with smart metering. It's the whole gamut uh, of technology. And more importantly, it's the data behind it. It's the fact that all of this, all of this type of infrastructure is collecting data, and that data gives us the ability to do analytics and solve community issues in a more comprehensive way. That's sort of the spirit of what the USDOT had contemplated within the Smart City Challenge Grant. And, and although we were not successful as a community, um, that did not stop us from coming back and sort of developing our own grassroots initiative to move this issue this issue forward. That's great. You know, when we're trying to compete to bring jobs into market, yep. 
You know, things like transportation and the ability to move throughout the region are of critical importance. And some communities with rapid growth aren't able to accommodate that. So it sounds like we're really trying to, if we're not ahead of the curve, at least stay right up. We are. And I really want to put a shout out to the DOT because you mentioned all the construction in in the beginning. Um, and I think it speaks not only to the DOT, but it speaks to this region having a singular voice, the kind of partnerships that exist between our public agencies, but more importantly, our chamber and our private sector to be able to carry our priorities has really resulted, particularly in the last few years. Um, for numbers, we, we average about $450 million for this region annually for construction. Uh, we have been in the neighborhood of eight and nine hundred million dollars a year in the last few years uh, because of the opportunities that have been presented. And we've even captured roughly 40 percent of a statewide discretionary funding, which typically is in the 15 percent range. So why all that has happened, sometimes we don't want to ask. But the (laughs) truth is, I think it speaks to the fact that we're all moving in the same direction and we have public and private sector speaking the same language in terms of the priorities for the area. That's great. Collaboration is really a strength of our of our region. So tell us a little bit about the first phase of this initiative and then what the plan is for Bay Street, please. <laughs> the, the first phase for us, uh, we have been in that for the last few months from a regional context, and that's messaging what Smart Region is, uh, and that's mostly been with an effort to engage the chamber in particular. As we've observed some of the initiatives around the country, in particular uh, an effort in Columbus, Ohio, it was very clear that this smart city, smart region effort resonates with the private sector. And it and it's embedded in the fact that the data and information and stuff has opportunities for private sector industry, whether it's the tech community, software developers and others to be part of that environment. And so we've we've worked through with the chamber to build that partnership and that's exactly what's happened in our community already. We are discovering a tech community in our region that we didn't know existed and an opportunity to leverage their investments and their in-kind contributions to help us with that. So um, it's something that's very exciting. That's been kind of our first effort is to get the word out and build the partnerships beyond the obvious of JTA and us and the DOT and others right. and and integrate into that private sector community for this thing to be sustain- sustainable. The second part to that was it really has already resonated with industry around the world, actually. So whether it's AV companies from Australia and New Zealand coming in to speak with Nat or other startup companies from the Silicon Valley with new technology, whether it's PED sensors or solar roads or smart lighting, are are finding their way to our community asking, can we try our stuff here? So we have done something right um, in terms of the state in getting our area focused on that. And so consequently, we thought the type of technology that's being asked to be used here it wouldn't be the first. It's being tested everywhere else in the country. So how could we be unique? We could be unique with a signature project, a roadway that integrates all of these elements into one. And that was the concept behind the Bay, uh, the idea of Bay Street being a quarter of innovation. Without fail, the anchor and most visible piece to that project is the UTC that Nat will probably speak of here shortly, and the automated vehicle component to that. And then outside of that parameter is all the other elements, the ability to integrate 
um, crime prevention systems through the sheriff's office to solar roads to smart lighting to flood sensors to ped sensors to connected signals uh, to to 5G Wi-Fi and, and information kiosk and let this be the the not only the test bed for that but the official deployment of the UTC project. So that's what we have in mind and and, and expect a more public kind of reveal. Uh, maybe in the next couple of months. Fantastic. I know interconnectivity between systems sounds uh, like not too complex work, but it's immensely complex, even the little bit that I understand of it. So People you. way smarter than me are the ones that do it, <laughs> but, but we are finding them that they exist locally. And so we can elevate our own business as opposed to having to leave our community to get them. Okay. Okay. So, Nat, I want to ask you about the city's automated Skyway system. It didn't ever quite live up to its potential. Right. And uh, can you talk about how um, JTA is going to be transforming the existing track of Skyway to develop um, exactly what uh, Jeff was hinting at with next generation autonomous vehicles that will help to revitalize and connect downtown? Well, I'll take you back a little bit because, uh, you know, the, the whole issue of the Skyway and its viability was a major question uh, when I arrived back in December of 2012 in terms of what would we do with the Skyway going into the future. And obviously, after 30 years, it's showing uh, a lot of wear and tear uh, operating for over 30 years. I think the concept of the Skyway was spot on. Uh, however, you've got to have the planning and land use and development activity in and around that investment to support the ridership that is uh, that is necessary to make it viable. Uh, what we're proposing with the U2C project is to leverage this 30-year 30-year-old uh, uh, infrastructure where uh, we've made major investment from a taxpayer standpoint and from both nationally and statewide and locally. We've made a major investment in terms of the Skyway. How do we repurpose that aerial structure, the, uh, the Skyway as we currently know it, to take advantage of new technologies? And I think uniquely with the JTA, because we do public transportation and we also build roads, uh, as we started struggling with the challenge of what to do with the Skyway in the future, we were looking at how autonomous vehicles were going to impact transportation in our road building operation. And at the same time, uh, what is the public transit need that we need to deal with with the Skyway? And out of that, we the, the idea or the concept of using autonomous vehicles on the Skyway on the existing two and a half miles of aerial structure and then building a ramp system, much the same as any highway uh, ramp to get on and off, uh, ramps that would take the vehicles down to street level and be able to rapidly expand them into the neighboring uh, communities around downtown, Brooklyn, Springfield, getting to the stadium and definitely connecting it with our regional transportation center. I think it was an elegant solution to, I think, a very difficult challenge. And I think I want to echo what Jeff has said here as it relates to uh, technology. Uh, there is great attention uh, being placed on the U2C project because it's very unique in terms of what we're deploying. We have uh, vendors and suppliers and tech firms from around the country approaching us on this project. And so we're working very uh, with the test track that we've developed. Uh, the concept is for us to get the education and the learnings we need to make a successful deployment of very complex technology. It's not so much the vehicles. The vehicle technology, that'll evolve over time. But what is the communication infrastructure that we need to be truly a smart corridor in that Bay Street corridor? Uh, 
Think about just the integration of all of these different tech systems that have to talk to each other and the information that has to be pushed out from a control standpoint from the JTA uh, or whatever agency uh, in terms of communication with these vehicles and then the communication back from the vehicles and communication with between the vehicles. So it's, it's a I massive mean, it's tech blowing. project. It's yeah. a massive tech project <laughs> that is helping us solve transportation solutions. And uh, we're re- very excited about it. And again, worldwide attention on this project. Yeah, well, I know that, that you know, there are some renderings and some other materials uh, 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 that you've presented in unveiling mm-hmm. this work. And it is just very exciting. It always yeah. generates excitement. I know when, whenever you've uh, addressed crowds, yes. everybody's very excited about the future. We are. We're very excited. So... Um, Economic development is about jobs, and we like talking about jobs, and um, you have done a wonderful job, I think, addressing some exciting things that are on the horizon with regards to transportation options and um, really evolving in the transportation area, which is so critically needed uh, for our workforce. But let's let's ask kind of a, a question that maybe you haven't been asked before, and we love to pose this to our guests. So everyone's had a past job that is particularly memorable, sometimes memorable because it was terrible, sometimes memorable because you learned something. Um, So I want to go ahead and ask you, and Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Tell us about one of your worst jobs and and what made it terrible. The job itself wasn't bad. It was actually in college, and it was break between undergrad and grad school, and I was working for a a Stanley Steamer, carpet cleaners. And actually, that's a very noble (laughs) job to have. Um, What what amazed me, this was in Tallahassee, Florida, uh, summers that averaged 105 degrees. Um, What I couldn't process was the fact that every time we'd arrive at houses, uh, people seemed to think because the door was open, they didn't want all the cold air to go out, so they'd turn off their air conditions. So at the time when we're using these, you basically turn the house into 130 degrees because there's no AC running. And that seemed to be commonplace back then. This was in like the early 90s. Oh. And I, I process that in my head now because as we are actually into sustainability and lead silver and green buildings and all of the efficiencies of the system. I, I think back to those opportun- those times, though, and I'm thinking the common sense that was not placed in, in their choices and then, frankly, the misery that, that we were going through as you transfer from that house to a van, too, that had no air condition. Um, it's yeah. an interesting. In college, in your college years, hydration isn't really usually a strong point. No, <laughs> dehydration I, yes, tends to be more common. That, that is that is true. But I bet you've got a great set of empathy um, for workers when you see them out on the. I do, uh, I do, and and, it, and it's a significant appreciation for that. And it's very hot today. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is. All right, Matt, you're wow. on the spot. Okay, well, uh, I don't know if I've had the. Stanley Steamer, 130 <laughs> degrees. But uh, clearly, with what I do, you know, being a you know a CEO of public transportation and working around the country, it feels like 130 yeah. degrees doing that type of job. And uh, I, I would say that uh, I can't pinpoint one particular job that was uh, the worst job. I think all of those opportunities, uh, I had some learning experiences, some challenges more difficult than others. Uh, I go back to, you know, Atlanta and transportation and how, you know, the challenges between the suburban and the rural and the core city challenges and the politics around that made it pretty difficult. Uh, And then in San Francisco, probably having more buses that I could imagine uh, kind of 
uh, 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 I'd say, guiding us or supporting us in our efforts in terms of transportation. So for me, it's always been challenging trying to balance out all of the needs in a community for transportation, be it a pedestrian, a bicyclist, somebody who drives a car, somebody who uses public transit and the competition for that street and that space. And so that's made it challenging over the years. Okay. But great here. I, I know hear. Nat Nat has mowed a yard somewhere though. That had, that had a snake or something. There's hey, but, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, but uh, you know, just a lot of challenges over the years and uh it's hard to pinpoint one because I learned a lot from each one of those and all of that uh is coming to bear here in in Jacksonville. So bringing all of those experiences. I'm imagining like a 16-year-old with just, you know, with the cars and just sort of going, "Hmm, close. Something's got to get You're better close. here." Yeah. <laughs> You're this close. Has been your for a long time. It's been in a long time. Well, um, you know, I want to thank you both for being here. But in particular, you know, one thing that I haven't touched on is a lot of our listeners are outside of market. Um, They're site selectors. They are companies who are trying to figure out if Jacksonville is a good place to expand. And one particular note of thanks I think that you are owed, Mm. Nat, is your responsiveness when Amazon brought a distribution center to the north side of Jacksonville, out by the airport, and the willingness with which you and your agency worked to alter to, to alter the transportation line to accommodate the shifts of workers there. I just think that speaks volumes to how cooperative this community oh, is and your leadership. That's right. And uh, clearly, when we talk about economic development, transportation is a key element of that. And we recognize that. And so when that opportunity came, I think that is when I knew we had arrived as the JTA, that in terms of economic development and bringing and attracting a business here to this community, the chamber knocked on our door and said, can you help? And uh, once that, that opportunity arrived for us, we were not going to disappoint. We've been waiting for that opportunity for years. Well, you sure did deliver. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, thanks for making us smarter <laughs> yes. and, and moving around the community better. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in today to the Jack's Current. Um, we enjoy bringing you interesting people and stories like those of Nat mm-hmm. and Jeff. So remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast app. So until next time. Thank you. Okay.